0: This is the Saxo Market Call, the daily financial markets podcast across asset classes and around the world. Hello, and welcome to the Saxo Market Call. It is Monday, 30th of January, 2023, and we have a market in a squeeze mode, as we will discuss today, and I think it's very interesting because the market is establishing its own risk factors, I would argue, going into this Wednesday's FOMC meeting, where the Fed is going to have a hard time delivering anything resembling a we're nearing our terminal rate um, message when I think it is really wants to push back against how the market is positioned here and against these easing financial conditions. And we'll talk a lot about that. But we had a pretty remarkable day Friday, uh, Peter, before a a rather weak uh, Asian session overnight with uh, yeah, the bubbly stocks, as you can see on our overview on slide two with the Saxo Equity Theme Baskets doing the best. Uh, Tesla up over 10% and over 70% off of the uh, lows that we saw for the cycle some weeks back. So it's a very interesting setup going into this week with the Fed on tap with all the key first of the uh, first week of the month, economic data up as well.
1: Yeah, it was a strong, um, strong rally uh, in the U.S. equity market. And um, as you also can see on the slide too, on the theme basket overview, uh, high duration, high beta uh, stuff like uh, bubble stocks, green transformation, e-commerce were really rallying hard. And you also had a ten percent move in uh, in Tesla's share share price. It is um, <clears throat> now up seventy percent from the uh, from the lows, and then in the bottom you can see there, uh, Indian equity markets. We will talk more about that later in the podcast. Still being rolled from the uh, from the um, the fallout from the Adani enterprises. The uh, you know report from Hindenburg is suggesting uh, widespread fraud in in this group of companies. And if you if you if you think that the blue arrow in the theme basket, uh, overview is a little bit odd. It is. And it's probably because John Hardy has been, <laughs> uh, doing some things he shouldn't do in my, in my spreadsheet. Uh, rather than then.
0: enlightening the listeners on the weird blue arrow, we could have corrected the chart before we put the podcast, uh, slide deck out, but, uh, that's, that's another thing.
2: Uh, that's another thing entirely. Stay to guys. Uh, blue,
0: blue arrow aside, what's, uh, uh what's your take here?
1: Yeah, I, I think, uh, <laughs> thank you. Um, the way i look at the equity market as you said i think we 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 have this backdrop of the u.s leading indicators getting worse we have the u.s financial conditions in a clear downtrend which is obviously a tailwind for the uh, for the market inflation pressures are also easing uh, easing somewhat here the the long-term bond yields are quite well behaved so i think the on the on the big macro indicators I think there are very little headwinds for equities right now in terms of what is driving the narrative so it, i think the the key theory that here to watch is the of course the earnings season and we'll talk more about that later later in the podcast because it it's going to be a quite an important uh, co- important week but i will say on the on the earnings front uh, john was very quickly i mean it there is i think further signs now that the the margin pressure is is pretty significant here in the especially in the in the u.s equity market among u.s companies and um i think that will make it very difficult for uh, for us to to meet the consensus estimates for earnings this year and I and th- that's why I think we, we're getting to a, a point where equity is a price for perfection and and that increases the sensitivity that we will roll over and maybe go lower because I mean you know actual realized numbers won't support that narrative
0: yeah and then along the same along the same lines uh, given where the equity market is no surprise that we have a very weak dollar it's been going a little bit sideways for a couple of days. If you look over at uh, the overview on slide three with uh, the dollar, it's uh, still in a, a negative trend as we measure on our FX board. But th- that's a trend sort of weakening the, the strength of that trend. Uh, whereas on the strong side, you can see it's chiefly the Aussie. If you look everywhere else, these trends are very weak indeed. Uh, as we've uh, kind of gotten to a pause here, your dollar sort of in a one-and-a-half to two-figure range for, for weeks now. I think the the risks lean towards a dollar comeback this week, assuming something like the equity market is, is also overextended. Um, that pushback can come in the form of economic data or the Fed or whatever. But uh, I, I think the dollar looks like it could be headed for some consolidation this week. And that could come from bad data. Uh, for example, even with, the, with or without the Fed, bad data might be taken as bad news. Uh, good data might be taken as oops, that uh, means we're going to see a higher uh, yields the Fed. We actually do have to believe the Fed's message on its uh, uh, rate expect on rate expectations and their forecasts for the Fed funds policy. Uh, I think the dollar can find some some strength on the consolidation side elsewhere. So I put up the, the two extremes, the uh, dollar on the downside, the Aussie on the strong side with the Aussie dollar chart there, and you can see that 71, uh, 30, 40 area was a pretty major resistance line, and we could easily consolidate back to at least 70, if not 69, without really damaging this uh, uptrend. So, so far, we would just be talking about a bit of an adjustment, a hitch in the ride. To get something more profound, we would have to see, I think, something more significant in the way of a reheating of inflation, uh, or a very more a more profound risk adjustment lower sell off resumption of the bear market etc to to see a larger something larger than simply a dollar uh, correction here. So those are my uh, that's my lean coming into this week. Uh, how does the Fed push back against the market? Very difficult to say. I think 50 basis points hike is, is too much to expect from this Fed. It's more likely going to be just again just an unwillingness to indicate that they're ready to reach and signal terminal terminal's policy rate at the following one of the following meetings so the market of course priced for this 25 basis point hike this week priced for another 25 basis point hike beyond that but then thinking that the Fed is, is going to stop there the Fed given that the market is uh, is where it is and these financial conditions are the easiest they've been since the Fed started hiking uh, the Fed is not going to play ball with that so I think it's more likely just on the sort of being stubborn on the guidance rather than uh, doing something crazy like a, a larger than expected. Uh, hike. But uh, as I indicated at the top of the show, uh, we had uh, China opening. Uh, there was a big gap opening higher in mainland markets. Uh, but that gap open that just was selling coming in uh, from the get-go in the mainland market it's back from the long holiday. Uh, the Hang Seng seeing its worst session in many weeks. And copper looks like it's uh, easing
2: back a little bit as well here. It is indeed, John. And it's actually a very good segue from your Aussie dollar chart down slide three, because uh, we, we have been, uh, we've had a strong rally uh, in 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 commodity on China related uh, commodities uh, throughout January. And now, really, China is back. Now comes the hard work. Now they really have to uh, prove that. Uh or show us that increase in demand that the market has uh, has been pricing in, and that obviously raises the risk of a of a correction across the board. Obviously, at the same time, if if we see some potential dollar strength emerging uh, throughout the week, so Aussie dollar could potentially be uh, significant at, at significant risk on on that account. So, looking at the uh, the copper chart, as as you mentioned there, we've we've had a very strong run up. We up more than twenty percent from the November low. We have consolidated uh, this week uh, around that 4.31 level, um, which is the retracement level, as you can see on the chart. But... The, the the market is torn now uh, between the, the, the actual uh, demand coming now from China. We, it, it will obviously take weeks and potentially, potentially months before we really see that in earnest. Um, so that, that's triggering some some uh, long liquidation. You can see on the chart on the right that the speculative length in the market has increased quite uh, quite rapidly in, in recent weeks. So there's a lot of recently established longs. And that's the general problem. I'll say in the short term for many of these markets, including crude oil, crude oil, which we'll take next. But I think supporting the copper market, which is uh, really quite significant, is the, is the fact we've got supply disruptions right now. We've got uh in Peru... We got the uh, the unresolved situation in Panama uh, with uh, with mining rights uh, for for the existing company there, and that's uh, that's according to Morgan Stanley is currently uh, impacting seven percent of global supply. That is obviously a hell of a lot of uh, copper, which will go somewhat against any any slowdown in in demand in the short term. So I think any any correction in in in, in copper, especially, is uh, potentially short lived. So we'll look out for a move back, potentially down to that uh, four eight uh, area, and uh, which is also uh, the The uh, twenty-one day moving average, as far as I can see here. So um, look out for that. Just uh, staying on the uh, sub-year commodities, uh, Brent crude had a really uh, had a fight on his hand on Friday and Thursday and Friday. You can see that quite clearly. The um, we got the downtrend from the highs last year. We got the recent. We got the December high, and we got the channel, uh, small upward trending channel, and all of those provided uh, resistance in that eighty-nine ninety area. We failed on Friday. And the the subs, the result was basically profit taking. Head of the weekend, we came down quite relatively hard. Uh, Head of the close, and I think a lot of that is just simply due to uh, profit taking. And uh, again, looking at the speculative data, I'll put out the cut report later this morning the uh, the Brent long has uh, has accelerated quite a lot uh, to a 9 month high uh, during the during the past few weeks it's, the the buying interest has been focusing on Brent so that's why you're also seeing uh, the Brent WTI spread is widening uh, right now so uh, it, the focus is really there on, on Brent so um, so yeah we are potentially in for a bit of a correction uh, period here or at least consolidation look at the dollar for 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 the key guidance uh, uh, to see how how uh, how much that can unfold and just finally on the uh, on the long term outlook, uh, BP is out with their annual outlook today. Um, it's always very interesting read. They are actually seeing the uh, Russian war in Ukraine speeding up the transition. But uh, just looking at that chart, there they, they're still seeing in a uh, conservative uh, situation. They're still seeing global oil demand in the in the seventy-plus million barrels a day bracket in two thousand and fifty. That's obviously not uh, taking us to zero, uh, zero emission. So um, <clears throat> so there's we there's a lot of uh, we've got we've got a battle on our hands, and uh, it also just highlights the need for continued investments into the energy sector while we get through that transition. Yeah, interesting long-term perspective there.
0: All right. Shorter-term perspective, Peter, if we look at your stocks to watch today and markets to watch, we've been talking a lot about this uh, India situation and uh, not just the specifics of the Adani uh, network of companies and whether that's a, uh, uh, you know, the total collapse is imminent there, but maybe even just the whole broader market. uh, They're overvalued relative to a lot of global peers. It's a very special situation.
1: Yeah, the Indian equity market has been trading at a premium to the rest of the emerging markets for quite some time and we've highlighted it many times in this podcast India Vietnam Indonesia seem to be the three countries right now that are winning inside the in you know in the emerging markets during this reshoring theme which is ongoing and India has been the darling i think also was country made a big uh, splash headline when apple chose to india as its hub for manufacturing of several of its products um, instead of relying only on china and I think there's Adani, a potential corporate fraud case, um, which is ongoing. A lot of arguments going back and forth between Adani Enterprises and uh, Hindenburg uh, Research. We'll have to see what comes out of it. But if it is an Enron type scenario, I think it could it could cause a pretty big blow because it's it, it is one of the main risks when you invest in emerging markets. The is the corporate uh, governance, and I think on the one hand, can you risk it? That would be sort of the downside case that could cause the Indian equity market to really you know see their um, premium valuation go away. The other argument or the counter argument would be well, the corporate governance has always been a problem in the emerging markets, and when you have a strong commodity super cycle or very strong flows, which was sort of the case we had from two thousand to two thousand and eight before the financial crisis, then these very strong flows can actually you know hide and are so strong that even even if you have the problem with the corporate governance, I'm thinking about Brazil in this case, You investors don't care and the, the force is so strong that everyone will look past it. So th- I think that's the two sort of uh, narrative and or, or conflicting arguments around uh, India right now. I think the big story today is Philips. Philips being very prestigious, very you know, uh, old famous company out of the Netherlands been in huge trouble over the past year costly repercussions from uh, from their medical their consumer medical device business they have had some recalls etc has been extremely costly Uh, general not uh, not very strong businesses as you can see on the slide they care on slide seven. the share price over a five-year horizon extremely ugly but it seems like maybe we have turned a corner the uh, shares last time i checked were up four or five percent in amsterdam trading they are cutting eight percent of the workforce is thick 6,000 employees this morning, and they're actually coming out with a, a quite a surprise a beat on both revenue and their adjusted operating income measured by EBDA. So look at the chart, look at what they're doing. It might be a Philips that could trade significantly uh, different in just three, six months from now because they are taking action, and I think it's this is a, a key story to watch if you're trading European equities.
0: All right. And it is a still very much earning season, and we have the really big ones up on Thursday. But is there anything you want to highlight, Uh, the really big ones being the likes of Apple, uh, Alphabet, and Amazon? Is there anything else you want to highlight before we get there?
1: Yeah. Those three are the the major ones on Thursday. And it's after the market close, so they won't impact pricing until uh, late afternoon, evening in the US uh, in the equities futures trading, and then on the cash trading on Friday. I quickly want to highlight the chart on the right-hand side of the slide deck, on slide 8. Uh, you can clearly see the margin pressure. that's also something I said to you, John, before we went in here. <clears throat> the sensitivity to this margin pressure is definitely bigger in the US than in Europe. I think that's another factor, combined with the low valuation, etc., that is, is helping seeing equity flows uh, into, into European equities. Um, but I will talk more about that as we progress with the earnings season. If we look at the earnings today... I think uh, NXP semiconductors is an interesting one to, uh, to watch. They're pretty big in the, the global car industry, so that could be relevant for, uh, for, for Tesla as well. And then I think the big one tomorrow on Tuesday, we have three macro earning stories: UPS being a big logistics provider and the parcel as well, is always interesting to follow because of its footprint um, and logistics being so important for physical stuff being moved around. and then Caterpillar, key key uh, construction equipment maker. And I guess
0: and I guess mining equipment uh, as well.
1: Yeah, mining. So mining is going very well. Construction from the high interest rates, obviously, slowing down. And I like Caterpillar because it's one of the few companies I think that are uh, that is always they are always very uh, blunt about what's happening in in China, which is a very important market. They they have to because it's such a part, big part of their overall earnings that it uh, it would uh, be a violation of security laws if they didn't they didn't provide color on what's happening in that business. And then Snap. So Snap uh, is always uh, leading Meta earnings with uh, by one day, and the last time, in the last two or three earnings seasons, we have actually seen the market being quite moved by Snap, which is interesting given its small size in the equity market. But it's because it's the first; it's always the first real indication on what is happening in the global online advertising industry, which is a temperature on corporate spending overall and the confidence in companies' outlook. So we really. Really going to see an interesting uh, report from from Snap on Tuesday. I think as a good lead into Meta on Wednesday and then Alphabetic uh, on Thursday.
0: All right, uh, just a small story and uh, I'm not flagging this because I'm I'm taking any sort of a fundamental position on the company. But I've seen this uh, Novo Nordisk, uh, a very valuable company to say the least in Europe on their of course their diabetes uh, drugs uh, uh, insulin delivery. Uh, drugs, but also on this new uh, weight loss drug. It's called Wegovy in some in some areas. It's called I think it's called Ozempic in the, in the U.S. But I just saw a headline something about you get old face. Something called old face if you're taking this drug. I don't know what they mean by that, but I'm just thinking. Uh, I imagine there must be a huge valuation hit there if there is some sort of long term uh, situation with this drug. So I just wanted to flag that story because I saw the headline and found it interesting relative to you know what's been a very spectacular performance uh, for that stock. All right, uh, to close things out, a couple things. So I wanted to point out, uh, somebody flagged on a podcast that some of the leading indicators in the U.S. jobs market had begun to roll over. So I pulled up a couple of those, and you can see those on slide six. And that is the um, uh, manufacturing overtime hours. You can see those are clearly moving lower. That's the black line there. And you compare it back to 07, 08, and that was clearly starting to turn lower as the U.S. was entering a recession in late 07 and, of course, collapsed with the, the crisis in 0809. Uh, this time around, yes, maybe some of it could be a uh, some of the whiplash effect of stimulus uh, over inventory stocking and then drawdowns, et cetera. But still, then you look at a, another data series in the services industry, which is even more important. And it is also at least coming off of extreme levels of uh, uh, hiring in terms of temporary help in services industry, in, in services industries. And there was a similar uh, sort of lead into oh seven oh eight as well. So this would this this kind of stuff would lead the actual uh, pick up in, in claims and and the rollover in um, uh, the non farm payrolls change et cetera.
1: I think it's a very interesting uh, two a very interesting time series. I, I like those. Is they they seem quite original. Uh, was it there uh, on Was it from a, a, a listener of the podcast? <clears throat> to
0: be fair, I think it was Lynn Aldane uh, who was a, one of the guests recently on Macro Voices. So okay. To okay. to hat tip where I think I heard that. So
1: yeah, interesting.
0: Yeah. And it is an interesting week on the macro calendar, to say least. Uh, roll forward to slide nine. It's all the usual stuff uh, with uh, the first week of the month. We have uh, the ADP employment change up on, on Wednesday. Uh, actually, consumer confidence is up tomorrow, and then Friday with the big load there. And again, a Fed that I think is in a, a little bit of a, uh, a bad position here with uh, where how it's communicating, uh, what it is communicating, being ignored by the market, essentially, and what does it try to do about that. I th- do think they will try to do something the question will be, is the market listening? We'll preview, since we're going on a bit long here today, we'll preview the Bank of England and ECB up on Thursday. And then, of course, uh, all of the latest uh, jobless, uh, um, sorry, the, all of the latest payrolls change, average hourly earnings up on Friday, together with an ISM services, which I think is particularly interesting because that last one for December just seemed almost out of, out of the blue and excessively large, the big downshift in services relative to all the other data we were seeing for that month. So does it corroborate that or do you see some mean reversion or does get even worse. I think that'll be an interesting data point as well. So lots to look forward to this week. Stay careful out there. And we'll be back tomorrow with the next Saxo Market Call.
2: Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email marketcall at saxobank.com.